Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an uh, act. All right. Jay, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. You're looking tan, fit, slick. Man, I got, I just, so we were talking about the mustache yesterday. I trimmed it down. What do you think? This is like my 1930 Clark Gable thing. I personally like the handlebars. Yeah, like, they weren't handlebars, but the They waxy. were on their way. They were on their way to handlebars. They were mini handlebars. They were like training handlebars. You know what Rusty said when I come out of the room? What? Oh, Dad, you don't look like a cowboy anymore. First thing he said, so oh, that looked like powerful. a Hollywood movie star, right? How's the surf been, Jay? Oh, I haven't surfed all week since Saturday. We've had some weather around the country. Southern California, we've actually gotten some rain consistently. Anyways, yeah, I know it's been pretty small and junky and rainy. But, uh, but t- please tell me it's going to be good by the end of the week. We actually have a swell coming. Woo! Today is Tuesday. It's 2 to 3. Um, and Wednesday, still pretty junky tomorrow, but starting Thursday, 3 to 4 plus. Awesome. We have a mid- Period west northwest swell continues in minor south southwest poles. Better winds, deep AM tides. Oh, so if you want to surf first thing in the morning, wait a little bit. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Surf report. Boom. Did you read all the news articles I sent you? Of course I did not. All right. Well, I picked a beauty that I know is. I don't read. Hits you dear to the heart. What? Because of your Instagram post. What do you mean? It's not your post. I'm sorry. It's your videos. Ah, uh, the stories. Back, your stories. Watching. I just started doing these. The Bachelor. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I and, like The Bachelor. Me and my wife love The Bachelor. Well, and I, The Bachelorette and Bachelor. I haven't uh, <laughs> been watching it this season, but apparently... Nick is his name. A Danielle's drug overdose nightmare? You know this? Yeah, yeah. Her husband... Her Tell fiance, me about it. Her, she just said last night, that was actually the part I tuned out a little bit because I was really hungry and had to go for some <laughs> granola. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, she, I heard in the background that she, her, her fiance had a drug overdose, and she's the one who walked in and found him dead of that booze, unfortunately. Uh, I don't, I have no idea. I was hoping you'd be able to get some insight on it. Yeah, that was actually the one part. Lex is like, this is the one part like you should be paying. When it gets sentimental, I turn to tune out, which is sad because this is actually like something that. I'll, I'll so quote. Much. I read from the article. I, she said, I was. What's her name? Danielle. Danielle. Uh, it's actually I, a really cool girl. Like, I she's was in, the most mature one on there. Yeah, sure, whatever. I was engaged, and about five... That just means she's cute or something? No, no. Okay. That, no, she's like the most normal one on there. Okay. That's why it's like kind of a bummer. It's a bachelor her. or bachelorette? It's bachelor, so it's a bunch so of women. So there's a dude... There's a dude named Nick with a oh, bunch the, of women. Okay, the bachelor. So it's a dude him. with a bunch of chicks. Yeah, okay, she, so this girl... She said she okay. I got it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she so she said I was engaged, and about five and a half years ago, he passed away. Yep. He overdosed on drugs, and I found him. I didn't know that he was an addict, so it was a complete shock. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. You think so? When someone says that, I didn't know she was an addict, does that mean yeah, they were that, using? But no, but the, it could there's be. that. Where's that line between I'm just having a good time? Yeah, I or guess I'm if you're addict. outside of the church and, and everyone's drinking all the time and they may smoke a little occasional weed. If he overdosed, he was probably doing drugs, not drinking. Of course, but what I'm saying is if you're in a drinking setting where people drink every night and can get a little tipsy every night, you may not know on the side they also have a heroin addiction or they have yeah. a pill addiction because you're norm- you do see them drunk. You do see them a little bit buzzed on occasion. Yeah. So you could hide it a little bit easier, I would say. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I find that hard to believe, but I don't want to question her because 
I just set the well, you hear situation. that? I, I've heard that. Really, like, I didn't know, know. I don't know they were an addict, which generally means I know they were using drugs, but they yeah, weren't an addict. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't want to downplay it. It's a horrible thing. I think thing. that's how I read that. I is. love the bachelor. Jamie, <laughs> it's so funny. To you realize how many people listen to this podcast? Yeah, but here's the thing: I never watched it all through eyes. When this thing started, I made fun of it, just like you're doing now, and I downplayed it. But it is the most entertaining. It's exactly what they try to do. It's entertaining. <laughs> it's mine. Uh, it's like it's like it's like Netflix where you can just zone out and just not think about anything. That's what I'm doing for two hours on a Monday night after family home evening. Thank you very much. It's two hours. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wish had, it was five. We I haven't had cable for a few years, so it's probably. If I'm being honest here, we've watched it every year. Well, actually, my wife watched it, and of course, I was a good husband and sat next to her and watched it. But we don't have cable. You tell anymore. me, you didn't laugh at those people? They're crazy. They make fun of it. Yeah, that's why oh, it's for the best. Yeah. And then they make it all dramatic with the music. I kind of miss it. There you go, folks. Okay, now we're getting too close to the mic. Okay, sorry. So, <clears throat> so uh, I got complaints about being quiet. So yeah, we're if you're if we're blasting your speakers right now, we're overcompensating. Oh man, I didn't think that's probably going up and down. I'm sorry. <laughs> we gotta be consistent. We're doing this. We're doing this, but we're hopefully we're doing good. We like got a, we got eleven. This will be our eleventh episode. Step eleven. 11. Boom. We're 11 sure weeks step straight. eleven, and we got an amazing ask the addict. So hang on for the last segment. Oh man, so good. John's John coming was the in. Man, John co- coming in, and he's gonna talk about per, uh, long pornography addiction. Yeah, and what it led to. Progressive so, disease. So very, it took us a long time to get him in here. So do stay tuned for the last hour. Of since, last, we worked on him for a year since last year. Since last year. Yeah. So uh, top con- top uh, city of podcast last week. Seattle. Rancho Cucamonga. What? Out in the IE, baby. Big, that's that. That's that. Uh, Inland, Inland Empire. Empire. For all you non-Californians. Wait, and Jay, we were trying to find out Guam or our foreign, and you, someone hit you up on Instagram, right? Yeah, but I couldn't. Uh, yeah, you put me on blast, but yeah, I couldn't find the. the but the just name. talk about it. Yes, yeah, someone hit me up and was like, "Oh, hey, that's us. We're the ones in Guam. That's we're so here rad. for work or something like that." I was like, "Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool." So we appreciate all you guys across the country, and you're awesome. Our fastest world. Our fastest moving city. Is Cincinnati, Ohio. So shout out to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. A uh, little blow up out there as far as people up. people listening to it out there. We do really. I, I think it's great. Share the share it with your friends. Post it up on social media. Uh, it, it's real talk about addiction, church news, what have you. All right, little. Uh, I picked a controversial one. Uh oh. Maybe maybe it is maybe it is. Yeah. Okay. At first, I was I debated talking about it, but uh, Salt Lake Tribune. I again, we've talked about Tribune, where I don't think they love the church. Why do you say that, Brad? I just have read a lot of their commentaries and whatnot. Yeah, and it's kind of an undertone that you can just smell. Yeah, it's like it's ah, we found some dirt. Let's let's so a uh, Tribune that article works. that titled "How much do Mormon leaders make." Oh, leaked pay stubs may surprise you, and it has like a very unflattering picture of President Monson, oh, uh, Uchtdorf looking like a stud, and um, President Hiring looks like he's smiling. So, uh, leaked pay stubs. What do you think uh, general authorities make? I know you didn't read the article, I so I sure as heck didn't read that. But uh, and I probably and, would. And do, is it a shocker to you to know that? I know that they do get paid what's your general authority. Okay. And I think it's in the twos, if I'm... 2,000? 200,000 a year annual thing. And I would assume expenses and car and stuff like that. Okay. If I surprise you, if it's uh, 116 to 120,000 a year. Why? I always heard it was over 200. 
Well, this is uh, you know. And these are the leaks, so these, man. These, these, the leakers, they know it. Man, they know what they're talking about. These, these yeah, the leak, and they're like, we found out. Tribune. They're getting paid. All right, Tribune. But uh, Anyways, they they really, point out how that couldn't even pay. Do you know that that couldn't pay my expenses for one year with my family and five? Well, these, there you go. There you go. These. Uh, that, oh, sorry, that covers my expenses. I have to. So that's not even enough to. Don't people say, oh, they're making a killing. You, you have a lot of expenses. Well, that's another topic. I'm, I'm young and stupid. Um, but uh, these general authorities leave their career. They to say travel. It's not a lot of money in today's world. Yeah. So they, they leave their career. They're all generally college educated. Travel the world nonstop. Let's talk about Monson. He got called to be a general authority when he was 23 or four. Yeah. Anyways, and now he's 89 or 90. I mean, well, we're talking about. <laughs> Well, and I, it's not like he's he was making 120 when he was 20 course, years old. What I'm trying to yeah. say is this guy literally left his entire life. He's literally yeah. sacrificed the majority of his life in the service of the church. Doubt he's going on surf trips that you and I are planning right now. That is true. Monsignor the man. Oh, um, so small, less than you think. Um, and then I did a quick search of average pastor pay. I have some pastor friends. Uh, in, I know a few I, pastors around South Orange County. Yeah, uh, these are not South Orange County Mega pastors. churches. But uh, what would you guess the average pastor makes? Mega millions. Um, I would say uh, pastor. And this pastor. is this is national, so this oh, isn't national. California. So I think, okay, I so think California think, definitely higher. Yeah, this is national, so this is you know Middle uh, America. I would say, gosh, when you put it national like that, we're thinking like small towns like Kentucky. You don't have no idea. It's ninety thousand. Really? Yeah. So church church right in line. Okay. So we don't have a plagued clergy. They're not I can only imagine clergy. how high. You know, uh, I'm thinking about Southern California. Uh, For those listening, we have some mega. I mean, they're yeah. all over the world, but which is good. They do a lot of great. I, I wouldn't come to read the Bible without these mega churches, but I know some of those pastors are ballooning. So uh, we'll post this article up there, um, and it's there's some professionals on there that quote of how you know college university. You know, people of equivalent make twice, three times as much, and it's. It does cover their expenses, and they're not—they're traveling nonstop. So I Dude, it was to get paid to spread the word. I think it's awesome. If I could honestly get paid to spread the word, I would probably do it. So, but you know, the—I think the controversy may be I get we, we don't have a paid clergy, and yeah, and, and we don't on a, on a, on a, keep talking. You always pull out your friends. I said, and we don't. People need to understand. We don't have a paid clergy on a ward level, meaning like a ward or stake or stake, like. Or region level. When me and Brad are you not getting paid for this? Our no, church callings? No, of course not. ARP. When we go and we're there for two hours, and when I sponsor people and I meet with you, saw me here two hours before the That's meeting. Twenty hours a week. Yeah, at least. At least. Uh, uh, just and not including phone calls. That's in person. Yeah. You know, like sometimes when you're sponsoring a lot of people, it's all you're nonstop, and that's all, of course, volunteer. But blessing, blessed for it. I, oh, I, I'm paid I, in heaven yeah. and in life. All right, so right. last, we're going to blaze through news quick because we've got a, a great Ask Yeah, you guys, gosh, I can't wait for John. He is the man. Uh, fireside on Sunday, Russell M. Nelson and his wife to the young adults. Oh, I saw that there was going to be a special one. I didn't watch it. You're no longer a young adult, but so you can watch it. I am it. a young adult. Let's put that in. Well, I believe the, younger than Brad. I be- <laughs> 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 My birthday's this month. Did got you know him? That? Nope. And I'm not telling when you. Today? What's your birthday? I'm not telling you, but my wife's birthday was this was Sunday. And I know that. She asked me how old I was, and and literally she I didn't wrote, know how old you were. Well, she asked me because I once I turned a certain age, I stopped counting. I know. And I wrote the wrong age on her birthday card. Really? <laughs> because I assumed she was older. Because whatever. 
Because I literally, I get to a certain phase. Oh, you wrote, she's older than she was. Yeah. <laughs> Such a bad thing to do. Oh my gosh, how'd that go over? No wonder she didn't sit with you on Sunday. Me and Brad are in the same ward, by the way. Probably not so great. Oh, no wonder you grew up separately. It all makes sense. Oh my gosh, that is funny. Julie, you're the best. Different reason. Maybe it was I the, thought she was 33. Maybe it was the she... picture I posted on Instagram for her birthday. That's what you're trying to make up for. That's why you posted it. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Okay. Shenanigans. So I want to birthday. Let's tell everyone. January twenty third. Twenty third. What a good day to be born. I like that day. The year of our Lord. Uh what year? Don't worry about that one. Ah, nineteen thirty-eight. People think I'm like really old. I'm really young, actually. <laughs> He's Probably the youngest they, old guy I know. They took pictures of us, they wouldn't know which one of us is the old for guy. Sure. I I would put it that way, especially with my that's my haircut. All right. Go we're gonna go through I really love Sister Nelson gave four truths. Did you watch it? No, I read it. Okay. I'm a reader. Yeah, you are quite the reader. Uh, I don't. Professor. I don't. I am a college professor. Thank Just in you. case you guys want to link. No, 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 no. Okay, don't be on. searching that. All right. um, <laughs> separating church and state. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Uh, four truths. You're throwing me off, man. Four truths. Uh, I'd like to share four truths. I believe will not only this save. Is Sister Nelson. Yeah. Not only save you from unnecessary heartache, which I think everyone wants to save from that, unnecessary heartache, but help you be and choose a righteous spouse, and then to create a happy marriage and productive family. So you and I have already chosen our spouses. Yes, we have. We're on that phase of creating a happy marriage and productive family life. So, all right, is awesome. All right, truth number one: the truth. The truths about love and marriage are brought to you by the Holy Ghost and from our Heavenly Father, who decreed marriage to be an irreplaceable component of the plan. She said the Spirit is the true messenger of these truths. In contrast, Satan perpetuates lies about love and marriage. The adversary rejoices every time he persuades a victim to embrace anything that defiles or degrades love and marriage. Powerful. Really good. No, no comment. Right? Can you? Uh, can. No. Why would you add that to that? That actually put me speechless. Okay. My brain's processing. That is that. very rare for Jay to be speechless. Very rare. Truth number two. Let's hear it. Personal purity is the key to true love. The Ooh. more pure your thoughts and feelings, your words and actions, the greater your capacity to give and receive true love. I would agree with that one hundred percent. Yes. Amen. Truth number three. Um. An important part of a husband, uh, I personally like this one. Okay. And it's not talked about in church settings, church talks. This is why, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. the one truth that I'm like, this stood out to me, why I want to share. An important part of a husband and wife's expression of love is partaking in the wonders and joys of marital intimacy. Ooh. What do you think that's talking about? They're talking about good times. <laughs> I think they're talking, what? Talk about playing sex. Sex, Marit- marriage is good. Marital intimacy is probably yeah, better. It's not just pure thing. sex. Yeah. Marital intimacy is ordained by God. Totally. She said. We're not nuns. Yes. You don't. You have three children. You had intimacy more than three times. Hopefully. It is a commanded. It is commanded and commended by him because it draws a husband and wife closer together and closer to the Lord. I agree with that as well. True. True marital intimacy involves the whole soul of each spouse and represents how united a husband and wife are in all areas of their lives. That's pretty deep. What a right? subject is that? 
not yeah, talked about very often. Intimate on a single, like this is for yeah. the singles. It's like, hey, sex is good between your spouse. Yeah. And it is not only commanded, it's commended. It's a about, good thing because I think there's a lot of shame because sex outside of marriage is so shameful. And I've heard, you know, I've had friends say that their friend or they themselves had a hard time. I've heard this that some people in the church, because of the culture before you're married, right? It's very, we're very strict, right? Law of chastity. We believe in it. We uh, and it. the Bible. Jesus is pretty clear about that, too. But 100%. But what I'm saying is the cult is when once they get married, they have a hard time being intimate because mm-hmm. they've lived their whole life and they feel like they're almost sinning, which I'm glad they're talking about this because they're saying that's not no. the case. That shouldn't be the case. No. You're not no. sinning. So you're married in the temple. Enjoy right. your time, baby. Yes. Woo! And then number four. The true marital intimacy of the Holy Ghost needs to be involved. It is simply not possible to have the kind of intimate experience outside of marriage that you can have within. Because the Spirit will not... I also agree with that. Because you've experienced this, right? Yes. You're inside of the church, right? Yes, I grew up not in the church, and therefore... Did um, you have sexual relations outside of marriage? Yes. And, yes. and, I, and it's crazy because... <clears throat> definitely agree with what she just said. So read that last line again. Uh, it is simply not possible to have the kind of intimate experiences outside of marriage. You, you may can have, have experiences that seem intimate. I'm not questioning that. However, the, the closeness you can feel with your spouse, the same spouse you're trying to make a home with, the same spouse you're trying to pay bills with, the same spouse you're trying to raise children with. And so you're fighting all these challenges and struggles and, and you go up and down your relationship. And then when you also get to share those moments, bing. So what, amazing. So what Sister said is worldly sex. I love you. Alexis. To God ordained marital intimacy under the influence of the Spirit. Love she it. compared it. She said, Worldly sex is lustful and kills love. Ooh. Marital intimacy, marital, marital intimacy generates more love. Do you follow that Instagram account? I know it's separate, but uh, they uh, porn kills or something like that. It's like a new Instagram thing. It was not new, but they've been around for a while. But they said that they talk about that all the time. All their posts talk about some type of it kills real love and intimacy. Worldly sex. So basically yeah. sex outside marriage, pornography, no. uh, outside of you know, breaking, breaking the law of chastity does not. It's That's Satan's counterfeit. I like how, yep, there you go. I like when you talk about counterfeits. <laughs> Another story. If you know Jay, you know what he's talking about. Well, Jay, that is it for news today. John is coming up next. Well, no, we're going to have your share, oh, step me. 11. Then he's coming. And then we're going to listen to Jay's share, and then we're going to have John come Personal in. Personal revelation, step and, 11. And we're going to enjoy. Keep you you keep interrupting me. Sorry. And we're gonna sh- you're going to share this, listening to this right now. You're going to make a mental note, and you're going to post it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, MySpace. I don't have that anymore. I never had one. I did. That's great. It was awesome. Okay. Well, we really appreciate you. Hope you enjoy it. Until next week, my name is Brad. And I'm Jay. I'm an addict. All right. Well, I'm Jay. I'm an addict. Thank you guys for sharing. What a special meeting. I don't know about you guys, but this is special. I've been to a lot of meetings in the last four years, and this is goes down in one of the most special ones in my heart just from... The fact, obviously, Chip Seeker, 90 days, you know, two days, <laughs> speaking your first time, getting your one-year chip, you know, coming back after not being here for a while, admitting defeat in all of its forms and, where, you know, where we're at and being the spouse of, of, of the addict and trying to deal with that and carry that weight and getting through that and now helping others and going to meetings where spouses are there. There's just so much, pr- I mean, just being active in your, in all of our 
journey is just, there's just been so much tonight. It's like overwhelming. I came in here with so much ADD, it's insane. I drove from Indio, this is just normal work, but like just over-caffeinated and just 99 miles an hour so I could get here on time and like, and try to eat before I got here. And uh, when I sat down, I was so grateful that I didn't have to speak first because like, I, I, I couldn't even, like, I didn't know if I was speaking. I think I called Cameron, Cody, like I said, thank you for sharing. I was like, you know, it's just weird. Like, I was just like going crazy. But you know what? It kind of reminded me now I'm sitting here. That's how, what I was trying to say is that's how crazy I was when I sat down. But when I first came to the meetings four years ago, my wife had left me and I was detoxing from opiates, Adderall, barbiturates, Xanax, Valium, muscle relaxers. Every meeting I went to was like that. Every meeting I sat down, I was freaking crazy, like in my head. And I was justified in my anger, and I was pissed off, and I felt God had abandoned me, and Satan had his grasp around my neck, and like, you know, just pissed off and bitter. And there was no one in this room that was there when I was first coming. But if you go down to the San Clemente in the Thursday night meeting, ask some of those people who are there and ask them what it was like when I sat down in the meeting and ask them if I sounded the way I do now and if I look the way I do now and if I act the way I did you know, now compared to what I did then. Every time I'd go to those meetings pissed off and angry and yet not knowing what I was going to say or how I was going to say it or if I wanted to share or if I even wanted recovery, if I even cared anymore about God or the gospel or the church. But every time I left, the light grew inside me a little bit more. In the beginning, it was so freaking little that it just gave me enough to come back the next week and enough the next week and enough the next week. And before you know it, I was finally able to share my share sure as heck didn't sound as good as yours. My, I mean, just your humility is awesome, brother. And it's, it's just so cool to watch people come, and you never know what you're thinking, you know. Because when I first share, I think I was just, I was just like sat there like this, just angry and bitter, talking about my wife, and it was all her fault um, that she left me for my drug use, you know. I mean, I was just delusional. I was delusional. I was so delusional. And to see you guys that come in here and just right off from the get-go are not delusional, to me, that's like a that's a, like it's a novelty. Like it's amazing. It's amazing. Your guys' humility to come in here and go, I'm defeated. I don't know what else to do. Someone suggested X, Y, and Z to come here, and I'm here. And what do I got to do? I can't tell you. Like almost everyone in this room, literally, when you first came, like that's what you guys have done, and like that's why your blessings are there. That's why recovery comes to your life so quickly, is because your willingness to be honest. See, my, 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 I've had times like that in my life for sure, but my recovery in this last four years was not like that because I wasn't willing. I wasn't being honest with myself. It took a long time for me to get, and that's okay, right? Because look at it, four years later, I'm sober. So it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there. It says in here over and over again, some of us was gradual, some of it was instantaneous, and great. Just come. Just like be a part of the journey and partake. And like when I was working the steps with Darren, I was like... <coughs> I just knew, I was like, and I didn't even know his patriarchal blessing. He said that at the time. I know I, he shared that with me before, but at that time I didn't know. And I remember like, dude, you're, it like it just clicked one, I don't know, maybe it was step four or five when you were dropping off. I just knew, I was like, dude, you're going you're gonna to bless the life of so many people because of your willingness to be honest. And that's not just for him, that's for everyone. But you know what I'm saying? It was just like, boom. And I remember someone saying that to me and I was like, you asked when my wife came back to get, when me and Lex got back together after four months of being separated and only four months sober and me going to the meetings, I sounded, I was just like, you know, I was, I was, it was, I was never coming back. Satan was never going to let go of me. And I said that to her almost every drive home from Whittier. We, we lived in Whittier, a drive home from San Clemente to LA, so there's no excuse of how long it takes to get there. 
I would drive all the way, and I'd be like, there's no way I'm ever gonna have what these people in this room have. Like, I'm done. Like, you don't understand. Like, my brain was fried. And that wasn't my, my opinion. I didn't feel there anymore. Like, I knew I, was lo I had lost something up here. Like, it was never gonna come back. And in my heart. Like, I knew spiritually, too, like, I just felt empty and broken. Even with my wife back with me and life coming back together, I felt broken. This program saved my life. I don't feel that way at all anymore. And I make mistakes every freaking day. And I have to use this, the 10th step, which right here in this step, in step 11, it says, in many ways, step 11 is a natural, continuing, uh, a natural continuation of your efforts in step 10, to stay aware of the truth in your life. Step 10 is to get on, you know, is to remain honest and make amends. And guess what, man? I gotta make amends all the time. I'm still judgmental. I'm still, I can be extremely rude. I can be extremely selfless and, or self, you know, selfish and sometimes selfless, but mostly selfish. And, and uh, you know, I can be super judgmental, right? Like I was judgmental in my first meeting and four years later I could still be judgmental. Okay, like that, but that's okay because I don't have to be perfect. I just got to do the steps, and if I do the steps, I say sorry once it finally hits me. That's something I would never have done in my addiction, ever. It was never my fault. It was your fault. And if it was, if I thought it was, if I ever said sorry, it was only for my own self gratification. It wasn't for yours. It wasn't trying to make you feel better. It was to make me feel better. See, I was a taker. It says by nature we are we all tend to be undisciplined. Yet by looking to Jesus Christ as the example he has set, you will find the humility to continue submitting to the Father. Like the Savior, you will be able to say sincerely, Thy will be done throughout the day. The light of Christ will guide you and prepare you to receive the companionship of the Holy Ghost. The companionship of the Holy Ghost will become more constant and your ability to recognize and testify of the truth will increase. Recovery is not easy, and it's not for those who are lighthearted. And if you want, if you want f to be free from your addiction, you make up your mind right now, tonight, today, to act upon the feelings that you felt. No one said that to you. You may have heard someone speak, but the Spirit speaks to you, and you recognize that you have a problem, that you have something that's become unmanageable, right? That's the definition, they say, of a problem or addiction. And life's become unmanageable, and then you do what others have done before you to not have to, that they've been free from their addiction. That's it that simple you don't have to make it complicated it's that simple my life mission as an addict was to make life compl complicated and now in recovery it's so simple you pick up the phone you call someone in this program we have a list of phone numbers wherever those are and most of us have each other's number pick up the phone and call no matter if they're your sponsor or not just call someone it took me eight months to have the you know what to like get a sponsor but you better believe I called other people that's all we have. Where can you dump this stuff in the world? They don't get it. We get it. And guess what? If you're doing the steps and it's tough and you're failing every other day or whatever, think, have a little, just think about those that are out there that you're going to... Darren, how many people are you sponsoring right now? What? Nine, nine, or nine or ten. Okay? Just think about where your life could be in one year from now. He's not the only one. I mean, David sponsored tons. I mean, Greg, you're going to sponsor. I mean, that's just how it is. You're not doing this for just yourself. I promise you, if you want to get recovery, you've got to stop thinking about yourself. 
And you got to think about Heavenly Father and think about those who, I promise you, everyone has their breaking point. This was the easiest manipulator I could, or manip, ma manipulated person I could manipulate. This girl was never going to leave me. But guess what? One night, yeah, she did. I rolled over to give her a kiss goodnight, and I'll never forget it because she looked me right in the eyes and said, I hate you, and I want a divorce. And she didn't say it to scare me. She said it because she finally hit her breaking point. I decided to let that be my end. You mean I changed overnight? No, you guys heard my story. However, everyone has their breaking point. So to just assume that we're always going to have each other, like have all the, the enablers in our life, it's not going to always be that way. I've lost most of my friends from, that I grew up with to this disease. And I found out today that one of my clients, is, his dad's an addict and pill popper just like I was, and the owner's son of this dealership is probably going to die as well, 24-year-old opiate addict. Open your mouth. Do these steps, if not for yourself, for someone else. I'm so grateful you guys came here, and I'm so grateful you guys decide to do this program for yourself. Because then by doing the program for yourself, you help others, and you help me, and you give me a place where I can feel like I'm not alone, and I don't feel like I'm crazy. Because that's how I felt, is alone, scared, and fearful, and all those things that we all feel. But I don't feel that way because of you guys. I don't care where you're at, I don't feel that way because you come here and you share. And because you come back. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs> favorite our new favorite section of the podcast lots of uh, praises for this section jay always been my favorite we have a special guest that i've been trying to recruit for all year all year literally <laughs> and literally since last year since last year i've been trying all to way, get way back then john welcome to the podcast thanks john. for having me Woo! John, I, I wish i i wish i could share your enthusiasm about this podcast are you, are you a little nervous i'm i'm no i'm i'm a lot nervous okay oh. You don't, look, you don't look it at all. <laughs> Brad doesn't bite, he just hounds to get you here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, let's uh, go through some of these texts that I uh, invited him. You when, literally, that went back to last year, back in November. November. You were him up. And yep. I love how Brad does it. He's First off, he's, hey, if you listen to our podcast, check it out. <laughs> and then, like, waits for you to respond. And then hint, once you hint. start responding, then it's like, oh, cool, so you like it, huh? Yeah. So how they, often that's how he here? hooks you. Yeah. So, hey, you ready to break anonymity and talk about your addiction? I am. Luckily, we have John here who's willing to do that. You're awesome, brother. It's Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, within the walls of ARP, that's uh, that's sacred and confidential. And uh, we ask people to share their experience, and some with uh, an alias, some with anonymous, and others wide open. And it's really up to the individual. But we really appreciate you being here. Yeah, no, it's interesting. My middle name is Alias. My last <laughs> name is Anonymous. So I don't know how you knew that, but yeah. Okay, John Alias. John Alias Anonymous. I love, a sense of humor. I love it. That's really loud in the mic. I know. But we've they been like getting, Jay's been a little far from the mic, and he's over. Everyone's complaining every time I see someone that's like, hey, I listen to your podcast. Awesome. But it's really quiet, so yeah, you're going to have to be like this. Okay, go on. Sorry. Thanks, Jay. Okay. John? Uh, we're jo all joking aside. What 
how would you describe your addiction? What is it of? So I've had uh, pretty much a lifelong addiction to pornography. Lifelong. When did it start? Uh, I, I'd say I was exposed to it, uh, you know, around 10 or 11, like in the fifth grade. Which, uh, <clears throat> and pornography is one of those that it, we we will be exposed to. Like, I've seen it. Yeah. My my 13-year-old son has probably seen it. I, he has seen it, for sure he has. Well, you drive down the freeway, you see it. Well, yeah. especially now with Instagram, Facebook, it's just in your face. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everywhere. And so it's one, It's not like other addictions. No one's going to force me to drink a beer. Right. I may be forced to take some pain medication with a surgery. But a lot of addictions, we can completely avoid the first taste. But pornography is one that we will be exposed to. Totally. Um, what... It, can you articulate maybe some of your hesitancy? And we've talked about it before, uh, not in the podcast, but uh, the reluctancy to talk about pornography addiction versus an alcohol. Mm-hmm. Or Why do you feel like hiding it more than, I guess, into the rooms? Not hiding it because you're super open. You're active in the meeting and you share and you're sponsoring people. But what, what is it that uh, is the stigma there? Yeah, well, I am inside these rooms. But when I walk out the door, I don't, you know, you don't, you don't I don't announce it. it. I don't scream it. But, okay. you know, it, from my perspective it's because it's still a dirty addiction uh it's you know especially in the church um there's a stigma associated with it at least i i feel like there always has been and then outside of the church you know i feel like they don't take it seriously like they don't even consider it an addiction it's a joke it's 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 just starting to in the medical field we were just talking about this before the podcast brad was saying the medical field psychology and stuff they're starting to now realize whoa this is just as detrimental for an individual's depression family right actual sex life with their partner the whole nine yards right so it's like oh this is actually serious but for the most part if you're in a business setting you're at if we're, we're talking about college or high school or junior this is a joke if yeah, you're, so well, you're I mean, talking about this, right? So well, and that's when, that's part of the problem is like you know trying to go through high school with this addiction, and you know all your friends are doing it, and you almost you know you almost get teased for not looking yeah. at it. And you grew up Mormon, right? Yeah, in the church. Yeah. yeah. When did you like get the sense that maybe this is a problem? It's beyond curiosity. Uh, it's beyond. I'm exposed to it. It's actually you're seeking it out, and it's a problem. Um, I don't know, uh, the answer to that, you know, I, I, looking back now, I, I see a whole lot clearer, but, uh, you know, I remember being really young and hiding stashes of pornography near my house or in my room or trying to find moments where I could be alone or, um, I remember, you know, as a teenager, as it had gotten worse, I remember thinking like, wow. You know, this doesn't make me feel any better anymore. I got to keep doing it more or more often or more deviant. Well, so that's probably where the line is very very defined within the church and the world is the world would say looking at naked pictures of girls is completely natural for a teenager to explore that. And the church. Some might say it's even healthy. Some say it's healthy, but you pull out the New Testament, Christ. Yeah. He that looked upon a woman that lusts after her has already committed adultery. Yeah. So that, you know, Christianity and Jesus Christ has has really defined, drew the line in the sand. And I think for 
church members, it's easy to know, like, to know that that may have been a problem mm-hmm. if you're hiding it. Um, but I, but again, the mixed world message is very different. Yeah. It's interesting. Like for me, you know, even though I, I was, I would look at stuff with my friends, I still hid from them. Like the fact that I was also doing it on my own. I, for some reason, I still had that stigma, even though that I knew they were doing it and we were doing it together that I still didn't want to, you know, it come out to them how much I was really doing it on my own alone. Okay. And, um, so, and were you looking like in the beginning, not to ask you a million questions about your, this actual... is asked the addicts. So I know, I know, questions. but to, to a degree, I just want to know, because obviously most of the most, we don't know exactly how many people are listening, the ratio of members yeah. versus non-members. Obviously it's more of a Mormon based, I would assume. However, um, for those who are listening that maybe are trying to figure out if they are addicted to pornography or not, um, when you, uh, were you, when you were looking at pornography when you were younger and through high school, junior high, was that with, with members of the church friends or non-members? Both. Both, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just, it's crazy. The statistics, someone was asking me, um, the other day about how many, how many members do I think, you know, there was like one of those questions, yeah. obviously someone who's been hurt from addiction right. and pornography and actually has caused a divorce and, and, and whatnot, but in their life, but was asking about questions and. And how many men do you think in the church actually do look at you know all these statistics? Yeah. It's like, well, there's no way I can actually define tell you that yeah. what that number is, but well, a lot and, more and, than it, people think it is. And, and you know, in my case, you know, it's 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 also one of those addictions that's easier to hide. You can't smell you, it. Yeah, can't you smell can't it. smell it. You can't necessarily see it in my bloodshot eyes. Yep. It's 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 much easier to hide. It's much easier to access. Yeah. Than than. We than than other addictions. Not to say it's any better or worse than any other addiction. 100%. But no, well, we have one addict, uh, it's funny you say that, he was saying that it was a sober addiction. Like, he was, yeah. he was not using drugs and alcohol. This is what he would do. Right, he sub, yeah, he was substituting it. Yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, life journey, did you go on a mission? I did, yeah. And I, did you go through some a confession, a, a thorough confession before your mission that this was... Uh, sin and you were trying to overcome it i did in fact i uh you know i was promiscuous in high school and i i served a mission i, I was older i was in my early 20s okay. when i served a mission those are my favorite companions yeah i was like the they old were. i was the old guy of the mission but i was the old because i you know i had this you know epiphany and i wanted to change my life and so were you not planning on going to mission i was not planning on going okay. on a mission okay um that could be a whole nother podcast there. Yeah. Deep so, down, I really wanted to, but I, you know, I knew I had made a lot of really bad choices that, you how know. How did you come back from? Right. Okay. So, well, that's and so, so you, you wanted to go internally. Yes. But, but externally, were you saying, I don't want to go because you didn't want to have to confess? Maybe, right. Or, for sure. Okay. Didn't want to have to face that. Okay. Um, but I did. Uh, and it was a painful process of repentance. You know, it took me a while to, you know, it took me over a year to, to become worthy to go on a mission, but I did. I cleaned my act up. I didn't have any issues with pornography, uh, served a mission, had an incident on my mission, uh, one incident on my mission and confessed up to that and assumed I was going to get sent home, but didn't. And, you know, finished off my mission with without any other incident thought that at that point in time that 
it's done. It's done. You know, I'm, that was, uh, I grew out of it. It was a phase. Yeah. Um, came home, got married in the temple. Hold on. Okay. Sorry. Was the word addiction even in your, like, did you think addiction or do you just think this is like a problem I'm overcoming? Yeah. Okay. Most people don't talk about porn in the church. What I found when I joined and confessed and same thing when I went on my mission and had to talk about the years of pornography that I had age 11, same around that same time or, or younger, even when you're a kid and you see images and I would always, yeah, yeah. pause radar movies and just, just right. It, right. So a young age, but, um, never once was it considered an addiction. I'd always heard alcohol and drugs. Yeah. But this was also for me, this was over 20 years ago. And, yeah. and I think about now, you know, it's just in your face. Now they talk about it all the time. You can't open a magazine or listen to general conference without being bombarded right. with the issue. Right. I, wish that was the case when I was, uh, you know, f- f- 10 or 11. I don't know that it would have mattered, but it definitely wasn't talked about as much as it is now. Yeah. And I think that's, it's positive. Of course. It's, I agree. it's shining light on it. Yeah. All right. So you, I'm done with, you know, in your mental, I'm done. I've overcame that. I've mm-hmm. conquered something great. Return missionary. Return missionary. Yeah. You're married. Well, I'm I'm married. Yeah, I got married in the temple. So you would think, you know, physically, I'm, you know, why would I need anything well, like that, that, right? Right. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to see my <laughs> wife naked. Like I was, I was <laughs> so was excited. It. There I, it is. I was just like, this is gonna be great. Yeah. It um, is. And so <laughs> you probably the same way. It is. Yeah. And <clears> that's that's why we wait for marriage. That's what chastity is all about. Like, right. It's at a special time and. But that's not how. It, but that's not how addiction works. <laughs> Isn't that interesting though? Like I thought for sure, same thing with me. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get married in temple. It's all going away. Like, yeah, I'm done now. Like I, right. to, I don't have to fight these urges anymore. I'm just one person. I'm gonna have a great time. Yeah. No, like, yeah. you have a problem and you haven't worked on it. Guess what? It's so, wherever you go. but you had w- during that time of b- before marriage, w- were you clearly were still bombarded with media? But was it was the pull to like? dive into pornography there or was it really yeah no it was it was still something i had to fight and struggle but which 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 i don't know if we can articulate this like i think the natural man like i want to see cleavage like i want to see the human body like that's attractive it's not it is natural that's why we procreate yeah it's a very powerful in fact we're we talk about it in our news this about the the young adult firesides did you listen to that no. Where they talk about intimacy. Oh, I did, yeah. President intimacy, Nelson. Like, yeah, yeah, him and his wife. And so yeah, like her, the t- her, her part was, was mind-blowing, I thought. It, uh, really, it really was powerful. Yes. But that's like, it's a, it is a natural thing. Sure. But it's something that needs to be bridled, it needs to be controlled, and, yeah. and used at the right time in the right situation. Yeah, no, I definitely still felt bombarded by it, but I think I was in a different spot in my life. You know, I had, I had served a mission. I had just gotten married. Things were good for me. And I didn't really need it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that I. The stress of life hadn't hit me yet, and so I don't. Jay, you, I wasn't pulled. You say dealing with life on life terms. Yeah, I think we uh, addiction usually seems to pop up, or our disease. I shouldn't say addiction, but our disease pops up when life gets unman. When life gets difficult, right? I, when I look back, I did my inventory when I did my fourth and fifth step. I real, we, me and my sponsor realized that my go-to to all these things didn't usually come up unless I was facing something that was uncomfortable mm-hmm. in my personal life, my totally. business life, my school life, my marriage, whatever it was. Um, when things were smooth, 
at one point I was able to deal with life. It's like, okay, so that's good. I don't have any need to, to, to go and run hike and self-medicate, whether that's through pornography or drugs. <coughs> um, but uh, it's it's like a, it's it's like a self-stimulation, you know? Yeah. Like in a sense of like literally like you're just trying to comfort yourself, you know, like a baby sucks their thumb, you know, like or if you sit there and you have a nervous tick. And you you notice that, like I'm in sales when people hold their you know their touch usually they're nervous right and they're trying yeah. to comfort themselves right that's what pornography can be right you totally I mean that that's what it was control. up until that whole point of my life I mean yeah. when when I wasn't feeling confident or when when the stress of life got to be too much that's what I would turn to go to yeah but but then I got to a point where I you know I was I was in a good things. spot yeah. yeah so uh, there the question always comes up. That, that I'm intrigued with is some people, I think, in early phases of recovery, you know, my addiction is different. My, you know, pills, heroin's different than alcohol. Alcohol is different than cocaine. Pornography is different than alcohol. But the more we're in meetings and, and the more people are honestly sharing, the more, I mean, our meetings are very unique in the yeah. recovery world because we, and someone shared tonight about we have men and women. We have people sharing about addictions to you name it, and they all relate very sincerely to each other. Mm -hmm. Do you feel do you feel the same way that your addiction I, with pornography is no different <clears throat> than someone that has no issue with pornography, but they, you know, alcohol is their yeah. It's choice. interesting. In, in the in a, this program has specific pornography meetings, mm -hmm. and I attended that uh, that originally a couple of times. And I didn't like it. And then I came to these general addiction ones thinking that I wouldn't fit in. And then, you know, the more I've come and realized that, you know, every every time I hear someone tell a story, I just think that, you know, that's me. I mean, that's exactly what I felt. That's exactly what I experienced. But it, maybe but, they chose something else. But okay, yeah. the things that t led someone to be an alcoholic or a drug addict, you know, it was, it was the same thing that led me to turn to pornography. That just happened to be what I turned to. Um, powerful. And when, um, <clears throat> so when you're at pornography, so you talk about you're married now in the temple, you're, are you going to school, work, or having I, kids? I what? literally started my career, you know, the day we got back from our honeymoon. Yeah. And was, you know, was trying to finish school and have a career and and start a family, and that's sort of all when one. it all hit. Quite a bit of stress. Same. It, yeah. it probably took a year before I had, you know, was going back to that self-soothing. Yeah. And it started out pretty mild, pretty slow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just sort of like when I was a kid, it, you know, started the same thing, the same way. It was kind of innocent and mild, and it just pretty quickly Progress. developed, progressed, got worse, got more frequent. Mm -hmm. And then that, but, but that's when I basically stopped confessing. You know, it was, there was, there was too much at stake at that point. Yeah, I couldn't face now. it now. I had yeah. a family. I had a wife. I had... I'm not going to go to a bishop now. That's a kid. That was when I was a kid. I right. Did that. But now I'm married. I'm expected to have a kid problem, together. not an adult problem. Well, and, and... That's how I feel. Yeah, and, you know, I, I had gone through the temple. Now I had made covenants, yeah. and I was not keeping them. Consequences are there was The consequences were bigger. And, and so I didn't. I, you know, I kept it inside. I hid it. And I got to the point literally. Were there periods of <clears throat> stop for weeks? Oh yeah, like it was. It, is... it was a constant thing where I'd. It was a constant cycle where I, you know, I hated myself. I soothed. I was, you know, okay, that's it. This is the last time. I'm never going to do it again. Do it again. 
you know, that cycle just kept going on and on and on. And I'd have periods where I was good for, you know, maybe a month, maybe two, maybe three, usually not more than that. Um, you know, and then I, I literally got to the point a couple years ago where I decided that I was going to just take these secrets to my grave. It was just, it was too painful to confess and come clean. So I, you know, literally had decided that I was, you know, I was never going to come forward. And then at this point, you're talking about <clears throat> when you're at, when you made that uh, that conclusion that you're never like, all right, this is just who I am. Yeah. Right. And so I'll face the music I'll when face I the die. Music when I die, I had the same right. thing with drugs. You you had that. You made that. I decision literally made life. that decision. Yeah. Okay. And not something most addicts. Did you think that too? Jeff? Yeah, of course, because when it was going to be easier. Yeah. What? So when the pain of the solution is impossible at that time, you think there is no solution, then you just surrender, and so and you and you're willing to do whatever it takes. At that point, is it just when you made that decision in your mind, I bet you, because this is how it was for me, you didn't think it could get worse. And I bet you when you made that decision, was it just solely pornography? And, and did it go to anything after you made that kind of I'm all in? Um, it did progress that way, and it did get worse. Yeah. But the, I made that decision after it got worse. Oh, okay. And so for me, you know, it led me to, to take my addiction to just viewing online pornography to going live with my addiction you know and I was unfaithful to my wife and you know I got involved with some pretty nasty stuff and at that point you know when you do that enough times then you really think all is lost yeah and there's no way I could ever I mean I, I figured I had ruined everything yeah are my you, marriage, my life, my family, my membership in the church I mean all of it was was at this time are you? You have a calling. I do. I had a, yeah. okay. I had a pretty significant calling. So completely, like you're not the guy kicking in the back of the church, showing up, like just no part time. You're fully. Engaged no, I was living a double life. Okay. Um, so, what Strange. advice do you have right now for a person living that double life right now? That's, uh, I'm assuming you're miserable living the double. Like you're trying to justify, I'm gonna go to the grave, but yeah. How'd you get to that point where the solution so, comes in? So I had a nervous well, breakdown. Okay. I literally, uh, almost 14 months ago, got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. Like, I physically could not live another day living a double life. I lost a bunch of weight. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't function at work. I mean, I was an emotional wreck, and I literally, it, it was a three-week process. And at the end of the three weeks, I literally, like, was done. I could not function anymore. Mm. My wife was just watching this in pain, just like wanting to know what's going, what is wrong. Let me help you. I had just started a new job, and so I was blaming it on you know I don't like where I am. This isn't a good fit. You know it was it was I, I blamed it on that. But the reality was I was having you know internal these internal battles. Like I couldn't do it anymore. I literally couldn't live another day. And I vividly remember making the decision, the one that I swore I never would do, would go home and break my wife's heart. And I finally got to that point. It got me to that point where I made that decision, and I went home and just confessed unloaded. I confessed to my wife about everything. Because mm. you double life, like this was complete. That so. is the understatement of the year, yeah. Okay. And, and the... Where did it go from there? Yeah. That... Because, I mean, I tell you right now, there are hundreds of people if they're not listening to it yet they will listen to this yeah. once this gets even bigger like we said we already have over 500 i think people listening to this there are people listening to this right now that are at that point and they're just yeah. they're trying to figure Try out to decide if i'm gonna yeah, make what that yeah. do. 
Well, it's interesting. I mean, that that one decision for me, that huge leap of faith, because that's really what held me back all along. You know, I tried and I tried to and tried to to do this on my own, but it just it couldn't work. It wouldn't work. And the the one thing for me that I needed to do was confess. And so taking that leap of faith and doing that, the the relief was instantaneous. You know, we read about in the scriptures how he, it says that he immediately comes to your aid. That, that, that's what happened to me. I honestly literally felt that despair that I felt when I, when I made the decision that I was going to take it to my grave and go to hell. That was gone, just like that. Wow. It, was, it was unbelievable. And that honestly, that day, that decision has started you know, something that's been going on now with the, with this program, with these steps. And that was how long ago about, it was about 14 months ago. Okay. Now you're on a podcast. And now I'm on a podcast. podcast. (laughs) Who knew? Talk about this was willing to listen to, listen how amazing that is. We just heard John say, Brad, he was willing to go to hell to take it to his grave. We use these terms that he's talking about. And 14 months later, after working a program, these, this program, Addiction Recovery Program, the 12 steps, the LDS to change, whatever you want to call it, using this manual that the church has produced, getting a sponsor, doing the steps, right? Yeah. And now not only are you talking about it to your wife, you're talking about it live. Across the world. Well, my, my wife comes to these meetings yeah. with me. Yeah. There you go. Talk about it, that, it, man. So there's let's, two, let's, let's, two let's, things I think about my story that are interesting. Yeah. One is what's going on now with my relationship with my family. And two, the bigger thing, you know, we always think about like the physical acting out of an addiction to pornography and involves masturbation and sex and all that. But for me, the more miraculous thing is what has happened in my mind. The constant, you know, fantasizing and obsessing is gone. Like, not only am I not acting out on on an addiction to pornography, I'm not doing it in my mind either. I never thought that was possible. I thought I could oh, Yeah, I thought happens, I could right? stop even when doing you, this. Even yeah. when you weren't doing it, you're still right. fantasizing. You're obsessed. Okay. You're obsessed. The whole but time. that's not an issue either. Oh. Wow. And that's, that amazes me. Like, yeah. That's great. People don't believe it. Yeah. Like, when no, I, just I know. my meetings and I heard people say, oh, they had a year from sobriety when I was opiates and I was kicking yeah. opiate, like, I mean, massive amounts of heroin. Right. And they were telling me that they were, like, they had been the same way, but they were fine. Now I'm like, no, there's no way. You physically can't yeah. be this happy if you were just, if you're where I am. That's true. I physically was dead. Yeah. Like, and, and I thought, it was, there's no way, but. What's the acronym for hope? Hold on, pain ends. You literally yeah. fourteen. So 14 months ago, how soon from then to when you learned about ARP and you walked yeah. into a meeting and. Did your bishop tell you about it? How yeah, you so it? I saw it on the church's website. Yeah, that and was right about the time. And it, it was, was literally yeah. like before I came forward, when I was having wow. that three-week... Chills right there. When I, when I was having that three-week mental breakdown, I like saw it. I saw the steps and I read a couple the of them. pumping them out right on Facebook. And I was like, wow. Yeah. But then as part of, you know, when I did, my bishop counseled me to go and, you know, it was sort of part of my repentance process that I complete the 12 yeah. step program. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. But at the time I just movie, figured, right? yeah, I just figured I'd go for three months because that's, you know, yeah. one, two, three, four, 12. I'm yeah. good. I'm good. And that was what I was planning on doing, listening to each of the steps. And then I would say that that was complete. 
and listening meaning going to the meetings <clears throat> and just not participating correct but listening to the right the, the meeting and basically. and i didn't know what it meant to get a sponsor i had no no one had told me i had to get a sponsor or do any of that but the more i came was and this the pornography only meeting no this general was the addiction? general addiction okay. meeting but the more i came and heard and saw and i was like wow this is real and i really do need to embrace this not just check a box which is what i wanted because to do you saw people at all stages of recovery? Not only that, but I felt what was going on inside of me. I saw it working. I saw, like, I saw it, you know, the same thing I was seeing in other people I saw happening in myself. So I totally embraced the program. I got a sponsor who was amazing. And I literally went back, started at step one, did all the book work. Every question, answered every question, went through each step with my sponsor, you know, did the painful four and five, and that was life-changing for me. Did the painful eight and nine, also life-changing for me. And, you know, last year, I, you know, I finished all 12 of them. It took me about a year to go through all 12 of them, but I finally did it. And now I'm, you know, I'm sponsoring a few people myself. And I come every week, even though in my mind, I feel like I can check the box of what I was asked to do, but I'm but, still coming. I would say you were asked to do something from the great to invite you there but i did not have any clue of like the 11 the 10 11 12 30 to 12 step is you're listening to this and you're in recovery get to a meeting yeah because you're needed from others that are in recovery and yeah. and that is very selfish of you to become sober use the 12 steps and peace out yeah and good luck well good luck maintaining it reality well, is like too. uh the, the founder of all this we can say is bill wilson right and and uh, back in 1930, when he was trying to get sober from an alcohol addiction that he had had since pre-war time for him, and, and now we're talking Great Depression, been this financial wizard, and he was on Wall Street and Buko Bucks to a drunk that was in and out of insane asylums. Then mm -hmm. they didn't have rehabs. They'd lock him up in padded walls. But when he first got his first year sober, what he did was is he went to an Oxford group. He learned Christianity, learned these principles. And, but then what he did was immediately was go out there and try to help other people. And he couldn't have saved one soul during his first like year, I think it was. But he was seeing this doctor regularly, and the doctor, and I may be paraphrasing this story, but the point is, is that the doctor looked at him and said, "Hey, Bill, yeah, you're not having success with anyone else, but you, this is the longest you've ever been sober." And he goes, well, "What do you mean?" He goes, "You've been going to these bars religiously, grabbing men, and literally dragging them to this Oxford meeting that he was going to, a men's group, a Christian group." And he's like, "Yeah, none of them have taken." And Bill was all down. He's like, "But you're sober." See, it proves the fact that. And like I've told you, and I've, I've shared this in meetings, and I share it all the time, that I honestly don't think the obsession of my mind that was taken away, just like yours, for drugs, alcohol, and sex, pornography, all these things, that would come back the minute I stopped trying to, to share it with other mm -hmm. people because I've seen that happen in my life. I've seen the 11-year, when I joined the church to where I am today, when I want to give it to other, when I like want to share what's happened in my life with other people, I have zero obsession with yeah. anything worldly. Anything like with all the, the 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 bad part of me, but when I start to become selfish, I cut off that living water, right? I stop letting the the River Jordan flow into the Galilee. I turn into the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. Start to stink. You can't fish from there. There's nothing produced that's good, and I believe that because of that analogy of there's no release. And uh, what you're doing now is uh, you know just amazing. So if you're listening, like Brad said, talk about. You're, you're, if you're listening right now, you're still part of that foundation of the church because this is like first-generation stuff here. Yeah, it's been around for a while. They've had this manual. But, like, this is just one year. 
those videos were put out and to think about the timing that those videos were put out and where you're at. Yeah. You're the foundation of something <clears throat> that's huge. This is life changing, culture changing for not only for everyone, but specifically in the church who need, we need to do this. We need like, like our, our, our one of our leaders says in, in San Clemente says, it's not, it's, it's not, um it's not leprosy. And this is inside the church, and, and we need to accept it. And this is not a rest home, as one of the apostles put, Elder Bernard. It's not a rest home for the 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 perfected, you know? I mean, this yeah. is a learning laboratory. It's a learning laboratory where we need to get better. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about that when you were talking. I, I really do appreciate the advice you've given me, Jay, because I just finished the 12 steps not that long, just a few months ago. And I was wondering, like, well, okay. Now what? Yeah, I just assumed I'd keep coming, and I like it, you know. But I wasn't sure what it, what 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 What's my recovery. Yeah, what was next? Probably didn't feel right. Just that no, thought. I didn't. I it didn't feel right. It felt like a big letdown. Honestly, you've been doing all this work. Yeah, I was having these amazing experiences, and like ah, I'm done. Now what? <laughs> but but uh, you know, you forcing me to do this, Brad, and and Jay, you you know, counseling me on you know putting myself out there to be a sponsor. I did that. How quick? Perform that until you that night, that, that night, same night, the same night we pushed him. Literally, the same night you kicked me off the ledge. <laughs> provides an opportunity. Yeah, and it's it's been interesting because now I'm like thinking about them. I'm like I'm reaching out to them. Like, how are you doing today? Yeah. Not you know. not worrying about like you know how how am I doing today? I'm, yeah. I'm worried about somebody else now and power. And now I've got a few people I'm reaching out to and sponsoring, and it 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 is. I mean. It's changed the program for me now. You would be where you were without your sponsor. So true. And 100%. you're not the, the folks well, that you're sponsoring. If they do the steps, they won't be where they're going to be. Yeah. I honestly believe, like like you said, like you do these programs. In the beginning, you do it because your life's miserable. Right. Like, right. You're on the brinks of death. Like you said, you're willing to go that. You just die. I couldn't yeah. live another day. So you do it in the beginning to relieve yourself from that. Then you get some relief from that. You start to do it for yourself. You start to see your life get put back together instantaneously, like within months, right? It's yeah. pretty, even your wife, like situational, I was on my mom's couch, now I had a job. You know, things like that change pretty quickly. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I'm doing it because, oh, I realize like, maybe it's not about drugs, pornography, or sex, and maybe it's about my weaknesses. So then you, you go a little bit further and then you finish, like you said. Then quickly you sponsor someone, you realize, uh, my first person I sponsored, I realized like, whoa. There is so much more I need to learn because these people are coming to you with challenges, and, and you're now you're you're reflecting on what you've already done for your personal life, but you're connecting the dots. You, yeah, you, I thought I already connected them with my sponsor when I right. went through the program for myself. You're penciled in, and now you're sharpening. Now you're your... sharpening, and now you're you're the inspiration the Holy Ghost had with the countless of people who I've tried to sponsor, and and unfortunately not very many of them go all the way because that's just what yeah. this disease does. Is it's a it can unfortunately lead to relapse, but those who have done it all the way through, oh my gosh, my recovery is, I, I wouldn't be where I am now today, you know, without, yeah. without, without sponsoring people, period, right. period, if I would, you know, like I said, the obsession would probably come back, but just myself and, and what I understand about everything about the disease is more fully because of that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I, I want to get into two more topics before we close. One is your spouse. Okay. Uh, I would imagine the, the, the fear and the reality is the spouse being extremely hurt, you know, are you not oh, yeah. to me or, you know, what, but for me, it was worse than person. that. Like I, 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 like I knew I was going to go to hell. I knew my wife was going to leave me. I knew that this was going to break my, I knew it was, would... 
I thought I knew her well enough to know that this was going to end our marriage. And that was the other thing that stopped me from coming forward is because I knew that was going to happen, but I, I literally couldn't live another day. And, and it didn't happen. I mean, and honestly, our somehow our, our marriage is better now than it's ever been. And I even better before. Even better before. In, in, from my perspective, it is. Yeah. And I think from hers as well, I think she'd say the same thing. She will. If I she mean, has it now, I mean, she will. I promise that. But no, I mean, yeah, she was devastated. And, and it was a process. I mean, it was probably a good couple months where the big stuff came out, but then some little more things came out. I mean, it was a gradual thing. But once I knew that I had it all out there, like for me it was, I, I, I've never felt freer. So She and, took all that weight on. Yeah, but now she gets to use the program. She gets to use the atonement. Yeah, she comes life. here and sits next to me, and she Smiles. shares what's on her mind, and I share what's on my mind, and, we, you know, it's it's pretty amazing what charity, you know, to see to to see for and feel forgiveness like from my Savior has been life changing, but to see and feel it from my wife is 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 so, that much more. So, if you do, you recommend um, the spouse of an addict. To come to ARP meetings for sure, always with the spouse or probably individual. Jay and I both your take on this. Is it some instances it, it would be good to yeah. come together to meetings? Sometimes it's better like I totally agree. It, yeah, sometimes it is better if that. Sometimes I feel like I need to share something and maybe I don't want her to hear, but yeah, but you need to get I off your chest. I need to get off my chest, but I think it's better if I can have the kind of honest relationship with her where. I know I can come here and say whatever is on my mind, and I know she can too, and we have, you know, we don't ever so hold that better, against good, each better, other. Best. Good is going to meetings. Yes. Better, both going to meetings. Best if you can come to the same meetings and be 100% honest. But For sure. Both, but health, I mean, knowledge and healing has come to both of you by it, going to and I And I know my story is not the norm. I know, I know most of the time, though, well, infidelity well, ends in divorce. Oh, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, there's. Uh, but yeah. you know the difference, that, maybe is, is you started with confession, not being caught. Yeah, I, I would imagine it'd That's come true. out different if your wife yeah. caught you for sure. Then you lied and for tried sure. to cover it, up, it out for six more Drug years. it out and then you come clean. That's a completely different story than. Yeah. That's no, it's, usually that's that, true. That's usually the the play out. That's true. So you it, know that's for that's I mean literally the people I know that didn't their families don't make it. It's usually because. Not necessarily just that they got caught, but that they they didn't just get clean. You yeah. know what I mean? When I say get clean, I mean they confessed and got clean, right? Yeah. And so I think, uh, well, yeah, if you're listening to this, I think go into a meeting, of course, first for yourself. Most spouses won't want to go right away. Some, no. if, you, if your spouse is a little more controlling on the controlling side, <laughs> they're going to want to go because they're going to want to micromanage, and that could be really unhealthy. Um, but, of course, like you've heard, we've interviewed my wife, Lexi, and I think um, it's the best thing ever. It's, it changed she says that after her first meeting, and that's also not the norm, but um, after her first meeting, it was like it clicked. She just knew, oh, wait, he did love me, and he did love our family, and he, he wasn't doing this because he didn't love his love yeah. us. Because it was always, if you loved us, you'd stop. Totally. And it, she quickly realized that, wait a minute, there's a room full of Jays in this room. And there were female versions of me, yeah. right? And she was going, wait, because ours is, is male and female. And that's another reason why I think general addiction um, I think that this needs to be the way it is. It's not totally. Men. I think we should all be in one because uh, we're all the same, and you never want to isolate a situation. But 
Um, I think that there is benefits to go to meetings without your spouse as well, because uh, sometimes it allows us to things that they're not necessarily lies or, or whatnot that you don't need to be honest with your spouse about, but it's just things you just need to vent about, and, and they're normal things about being well, married. Well, and, and how it can there's be. a progression. Like, totally. there were things that my wife was ready to hear now that she wasn't eight, she wasn't nine that. months ago. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So quick commercial for LDS, ARP.LDS.org. And Boom. on there, there's links for the ARP manual and also the spouse and family. Support. Which I think is the future. I think we're... we're Did next... your wife use that manual? She hasn't. She's gone okay. through it. I mean, she's not working it. Well, because know. there's not a program. Yet. I guarantee right. just like Alan on with for AA, sure. there'll be meetings for spouses all over eventually. Yeah, you know, the other cool thing about that website that I discovered in my three-week breakdown is like you can type in your zip code and it'll tell you exactly. where the closest meeting is, what day it is, where it meets. Did you go? You, did you just go to the closest one? No, I, I didn't go until I had to, like until I was asked to. But you knew but, about it. But I knew about it. Yeah. Okay. Good. You knew they existed. Totally. But then your bishop said part of your pen's process go to it. And oh I God. begrudgingly went, and I'm glad I did. Interesting, because you were inspired though prior to that. Like, I know. The spirit tells us. See, that's just crazy. Is it? Yeah. Like you were ready to be receptive to it. Yeah. I think the 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 moral is is when the, until the pain of the solution becomes less than the pain of the problem, you're not going to change. So if you're listening to this and you're not, if that that solution, right, confession, right, we're talking about pornography yeah. and sex addiction or drugs or alcohol for any of those, it's the pain of the solution has to become less than the pain of the problem. So if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, as they say, if you're sick and tired of living in that isolation and those lies, and you can't even look yourself in the mirror. And you think, as we heard tonight, John flat out said, I don't want to live anymore. You know, I'll take this to the grave. I'm going to hell. My wife's leaving me, this, that, and the other. He condemned himself. He was terminally unique. But once he finally got open, he did the contrary action, which is he confessed and got clean. His whole life changed. And 14 months later, 14 months later, not only is did he complete the steps, he's sponsoring and helping others, and he's here on a podcast. Because Brad pushed Because <laughs> um, I had to. Because uh, he had to. I'll take the rope talk in a little bit. Yeah, we have a taser to his head. No, I'm just kidding. No, they're not. It's just that's the power of this program, man. It's like Joe Smith said, you know, a long time ago. He said, you know, if you, if you convert to this church, basically paraphrasing, he said, there's no way that you can be content. A man can be content of taking that flame and that fire and that testimony and just blessing his families. He needs to go out and share. Yeah. That's how I feel about this program. So you're awesome, John. Boom. I think we're going to end on that. That's powerful. John, anything else to add? Nope. <laughs> you're the I, man, John. High, high five. High five. Boom. Boom. Thanks, guys. Until next step. Until the next time on The Next Step with Real Talk. Wait, what? Please? Brad. Okay. All right. For listening.